This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Hello and welcome to Invest Talk, everybody. It is Wednesday, January 15, 2020. It's the third trading week of the new year. And we've seen some volatility, not anything major, just volatility. You know, I think we're going to see more this year than we saw last year. Uh, and I think at, at points there could be some pretty significant volatility, but only because of what I, what the only because I think the market is overvalued, and we're going to see some of that come down, and then probably go back up, and maybe reach new highs again. It, it, it's just I think that we're just going to see more this year. And I'm glad you're listening today. I mean, you're in good company since we started Invest Talk podcast way back when. Our server data shows we have now exceeded 19.5 million downloads. I'm pretty, pretty proud of that. I'm kind of liking that. 19.5 million. So for those of you that have told your friends and family members about Invest Talk, I, I want to, you know, and, and, and it's downloadable podcast, I want to thank you very much for that and spreading the word. I'm Steve Peasley, and I hope you will call me today with your investing questions. It is a call-in show. Remember, our goal here is always the same on Invest Talk, and that's to help you achieve financial freedom. This means we want you to make better and make you a better investor, make better investing decisions. Okay, and that we're hoping to do that with. We want you to be independently thinking about this. Okay, we all want to do that. You don't have to want to follow the crowd. You want to do what. You know, there's time to follow the crowd. There's times not to follow the crowd. But I want you to think independently. I want you to make that decision on your own. Anyway, our anytime listen line is open. And I am taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. Now, you've probably heard that I've scheduled two new consultation road trips. Uh, be Friday, January 24th in Dallas, Texas. And to meet listeners and do, you know, no-cost portfolio reviews. And then... I will, because of demand, I'm going to go back to New York City on January 28th and 29th. That's a Tuesday and a Wednesday. So if you want to meet with me, that's, that's the time to do it. It's about, it's about helping you get better, you know, better, maybe change your asset portfolio or, or try to optimize what you're doing with your portfolios. Trying to maybe condense them, try to understand what your goals are and are you actually going to achieve them with the portfolio you have? Sometimes the portfolios I've seen them where you know they're, they're they're kind of just a mixture of things and not really you know some of them are actually defeating themselves <laughs> you know so we want to keep, keep make sure you're on the right page for everything you want to do based on how much risk you want to take and that's what these meetings are all about of course if I can help you manage your some of your assets well, of course I want to do that. I'm not pretending that's not what this is about. I'm just saying we, you know, I, I want to help as much as I can. Now, my main talking point today, okay, concerns this question: Could a U.S.-China trade deal boost certain groups of exchange-traded funds? And obviously, the answer is yes. But that's what we're going to talk about. I've had numerous questions about this, and I figured I might as well talk about it on the radio. Now, I've got other things I want to discuss. Okay, a hedge fund uh, bridge, you know, hedge fund Bridgewater Associates. They're a huge hedge fund. Um, they're they're they uh, There was an interview in Financial Times by Greg Jensen, who is the head of 
Bridge, uh, Bridgewater's Associates uh, management team. And what he said, I think I need to share with you. Also, uh, the phase one deal of the trade trade deal with China, the partial or phase one, whatever you want to call it, what is it really doing? What does it do? We'll go over some of the details. And I've come across an article today about uh, Elon Musk and how much money he'll make if Tesla reaches a $100 billion market cap. You will not believe how much money he's going to make if it reaches that. And it's only like 2 or 3% away from it. So, also, hopefully I'll get to the happiest country that I was supposed to get to yesterday uh, before the end of the show. Make sure to squeeze that in if I can. And that's what we're going to talk about, everybody. But, of course, you drive the show wherever you want it to go. And where do you want it to go? Well, what happened in the market today? The Dow was up 91, the NASDAQ was up 7, and the S&P was up 6. So it was an okay day, nothing major. Remember, this market has been rallying since, September, since December. Pretty, uh, sorry, pretty, uh, pretty hard. So, you know, I'm a little bit concerned that we're overbought and there's going to be some retracement here. But I can't tell you when. It could rally another couple of weeks, as far as I know, or might turn around tomorrow and give us back. But I don't think it's going to collapse. I don't see that happening. The Fed is pushing liquidity and all the central banks around the world are pushing liquidity. It's hard for me to see, and the consumer's really healthy. It's hard for me to see any any problems. They would have to come from left field, something that's not expected. And that's possible, but I don't see it. Okay, so that's what I planned today. But now let's take a question from our anytime listener line, number 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve. Love the program. Had a quick question about Energis, W-A-T-T. They've been a little bit of a downturn recently, and the CEO most recently just left. Wanted to see your feelings on it as I've been in the stock since 2018 at its high, and wanted to know if I should just sell out or wait at this point, seeing it's at about $1.70-ish. Thank you for your help. Bye. Okay, let's take a look at it. Uh uh, Injurious Corporation, um, hmm. um, it's in the uh, electronic miscellaneous products section, sector, developing technology that can enable wireless charging or powering electronic devices at a distance. It's a very, very tiny company. So this is one of those, you're rolling the dice on this thing. And I, I'm, I'm, for me, I'd be long gone. It's a $54 million company. Doesn't make money. It's never made money. It's going to lose $1.24 in 2019. The year just passed. And it's going to lose $0.80 cents next year. And their sales are $100,000 a quarter. That's nothing. Why would you want to buy this? I mean, this. the only reason you buy this is because you're buying a story. Okay. Buy, and I'll warn you, buying story stocks routinely fail. Most of the time, it's failure. In other words, it's just a story. How does this company stay in business? Well, it's issuing more stocks probably, or it's borrowing the money because it's certainly not making any money. Their cash flow per share is a negative $1.87. So... You know, it's a story. Maybe they have a great product that's in the pipeline, but until that product makes money, forget it. You know, no reason to be in this stock. Now, if you're already in it, you bought it, and it's not very much, and you have a, you think the story is really valid, well, you might as well keep it. 
But if it's a lot, if it's a, you put a significant amount of money in this thing, that's a mistake. Get out. You get out to a point where the money, if you lose it all, is not going to hurt you. That's how you treat these kinds of stocks. And you stay away from the bulk of them. Never invest in them. Okay, you're listening to Best Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and no one has ever been able to reliably predict the market moves. It's just impossible. But if you're serious about achieving financial freedom, you've got to be prepared for market volatility. The market has an upward bias that you can predict. Has been for well over a century. So that's one of the reasons why you make sure that your portfolio is strategically balanced because you just never know which sectors, what stocks, and not for sure. So you balance it, and you'll, you'll, you'll do very well. Now, Vestal listeners are invited to contact me or Justin, Justin Klein, to set up an appointment for a portfolio assessment. You know, we can do it in a personalized sit-down session. That's fine. If you work or live far from our offices, we can offer no-cost consultations by telephone, or even through Skype if you want. The New Year's all the New Year's off to a pretty interesting start. It's a bullish start. So you want to really. This is the time you really end of last year, beginning of this year is when you really uh, analyze your portfolio. I did that today on my own. You know, my own 401k. And I see in my portfolio that there were some stocks that did very well and and I really probably should trim them. And I looked at the fundamentals of the company and I decided not to trim them. So balancing or rebalancing your portfolio is not necessarily making changes just to make sure it's not too far out of whack. You know, I decided not to because it's not that far out of balance. That's what you do. You want us to help you with it? We can do it. You can call us now live. We're open at 888-99-CHART. Steve and Justin are always grateful when you make InvestTalk a part of your daily routine. And their unbiased guidance can be an invaluable aid to your efforts at building a strong portfolio. The phone lines are open. Steve is here and is ready for your questions. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to Bob in Sacramento. How you doing, Bob? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for taking my call. Thank you. So I um, I bought TVIX a couple months ago. I, I've been buying it throughout the year or two. And it did a reverse split, and it caught me off guard. Do you know when the next one might come? Because it seems like they just do it no, all they, of a sudden or something. They, they never tell you. <laughs> they don't announce it. For, you have no idea when they do that on any splits, matter of fact, uh, of any stocks or reverse splits. Uh, you just never oh. know, and you take your chances, you know. And remember, reverse splits doesn't necessarily mean that you lost money. It's just that it splits the stock. You have, you know, they they and they, they're trying to drive up the price a bit. But you have T, uh, TVIX. Is that that's the exchange traded fund? That's following the uh, the the VIX volatility index. Yeah. Uh, let me warn you. Let me warn you about this guy. Uh, it consistently goes down where the VIX does not. The VIX goes sideways. Oh. So you would hope that you could follow the VIX, but these 
the TV, they don't follow the VIX or else they wouldn't continue to move down. They would be up and down, up and down, up and down, but they don't. Well, how would you short the market then? The, short the S&P 500. What, what's the best vehicle to do that? Use uh, buy an ETF that shorts the S&P 500. There are ETFs that short it, you know. To short the whole 500. Yeah, SH is one of them. So that's how you do it. You know, the VIX is just not a good instrument. Trust me on this. It is the the VIX itself is a really good indicator of volatility. And when and, and you can tell when the market you know does really poor, it spikes up. But these things, these 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 ETFs that try to track it are unsuccessful at tracking it, or else they wouldn't keep going down. When the VIX stops going down around at what 10, 12 on the VIX. And they go flutter up and down, up and down, sideways from there, from between 10, 12, and 20 usually. And then they'll spike up to 40, sometimes even higher in a recession. And that's that's the fear gauge. But the, the ETFs that try to track it, they don't do that. They consistently go down. Yes, they spike up. But look at the chart. It's consistently go down over the year, two years, three years, always going down. So I wouldn't try that. I wouldn't use that. I really wouldn't. Appreciate the call. Thanks, Bob. Okay. U.S. net worth has exploded higher. You know that. We have heard the economy is doing well, right? It has done well, what, for since 2008 when we had that big recession? So how have the indexes done since then? Well, when Mr. Trump, even going back just a few years, when he when he became president, the Dow was at 18,000. It's at 29,000 now. Since the election, we have added $13 trillion in the United States net worth. And that's why we keep telling you to stay invested. You can't time the market. Don't try to time the market. Stay invested. You can use hedges, and that's about it. This is Invest Talk, everybody. Streaming live Monday through Friday in the 4 o'clock hour Pacific time and available for free download as a condensed podcast. You can browse uh, by topic at investtalk.com and you can also download, rate, and review Invest Talk on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play. And now I'm trying to, I'm taking your finance investment questions live and you can call right now, 888-99-CHART. Now is a good time to call Invest Talk. What's your question? 888-99-CHART is how to reach Invest Talk right now. We are only days away from Steve Peasley's Dallas, Texas consultation trip. That'll be on Friday, January 24th. And tell your investor friends that Steve will then travel on to New York City for portfolio review consultations on January 28th and 29th. You can learn more and register now at investtalk.com. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Our main talking point, U.S.-China trade deal should boost a certain group of exchange-traded funds. I think you can guess that. Think about where China is, and if the trade deal you know that we signed today actually gets implemented, which it should, but you know you never know. China, China has not adhered to the WTO, World Trade, or World trade Organization, rules. They have not, and that was years ago when they let them in as a member. So what makes you think they will comply with these this trade deal? They may not. 
But there are some teeth in the trade deal, which is kind of nice for a change. But if it does go, if it if they do adhere to it, and a trade actually starts improvement between us and China, it will help greatly, greatly, a certain ETFs in the emerging markets, especially in the Asian area. So that's where you're going to probably see they, those are they already did pretty well this last year because there was anticipation that the trade deal might go through. So, but I still think they have a ways to go. I do. Especially, but this is the danger. I think with this trade deal, they will do better. But the trade deal itself has, in ten months, if the if there's no if that if China doesn't follow through on what they said they were going to do, the 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 tariffs are going right back on. Uh, and they're, they're going to increase in more tariffs. I mean, I don't think that I think the, the the agreement didn't even call for cutting the tariffs yet on either side. They have to comply. So the tariffs are on and probably going to stay on until they see compliance. And then I think it was 10 months. Then they'll take the tariffs off if they are in compliance. If they're not, they're going to add more tariffs. So I'm just saying that. For the time being, these emerging market ETFs are probably going to do pretty well because if China improves any little bit, it will help that part of the world because they're the big dog in that part of the world. Remember, their economy is $14.5 trillion and Japan's, what, $5 trillion? And Japan's like one of the biggest. See, so think about that. You know, we're what, $20.5, $21 trillion, something like that? And that's the GDP number, everybody. So let's go ahead and get to another caller who took time to leave a question on our Anytime Listener Line number, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. I know you guys always say, uh, wait for a buying opportunity. I just need a little explanation on that. I do feel valuations are well above market value right now. So let's say looking from it as an index buyer, if I base my buying opportunity on the S&P 500 index, let's say, what is a buying opportunity? Do I wait for 8 to 10% correction or do I cost average some of my designated cash and where do I start? Do I start at 1%, 2%, a little bit more than that or what percentage would you consider a buying opportunity. I just need that defined a little bit. It would be helpful. And also, where is the best place to have your cash while you're waiting for this buying opportunity? For example, at Vanguard, I have a prime money market account at 1.69. And I was thinking about two funds, a short-term bond fund, VCSH, or an ultra-short-term, V-U-B-F-X. I think in this environment, I might be better off in an ultra-short. What do you guys think? Thank you. This is Dan from New York. Okay, those are actually a good question. And I actually prefer the ultra-short. Um, I And I have a little list of those that I've been sending to people who ask about it. The park, you know, because they're very, they're very safe, uh, and you can get a, eke out a little bit more money than, you know, in, in your money market. I mean, more, more significantly more money than that. And they're very liquid. You know, so it's ETFs. They're, you know, I, I wouldn't do necessarily a, a, uh, a mutual fund 
because they trade at the and then NAV at the end of the day. I'd probably do one of the ultra short bond funds ETFs. Okay, having said that, how do you know when to get back in the market or when to put money in the market? Well, it's a very difficult situation. It depends on how much money you out have out. Now, if you have ten percent out, then you just wait. You know, 10% of your overall portfolio. If that's in cash, you just wait. Wait for a nice, decent pullback at least 5%. Why? I would rather see 10%, which would be a normal pullback. But why would you wait? Well, because having 10% out of the market, even if you're out of the market for six months or eight months, it's not going to hurt your overall portfolio. If you have 50% out of the market, you're in 50% cash, then you need to put some of that work, you know, dollar cost averaging right away starting right away because you have way too much money on the on the outside on the, on the cash you need to get in the market Investor listeners understand that tax obligations, if not handled wisely, can have a negative impact in their objective of creating solid financial futures. So, as we go to break, here's my financial history question. In which year did the United States first implement an income tax? What, when did they do that? And when did other countries, such as China, first start their income tax? I'll have the answer for you after the break. We're live at 888-99-CHART. The time is now, and if you act now, the benefit to your financial future could be measurably significant. This is your chance to sharpen your investing skills through a valuable online classroom learning opportunity, InvestTalk Academy. Enrollment in InvestTalk Academy will introduce you to a weekly series of live investing classes conducted by KPP Financial Principals and InvestTalk hosts, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. You'll profit from a critical degree of focused mentoring led by Steve and Justin. Hear their full analysis of the market. Follow along with charts and data points. Understand technical and fundamental analysis. Develop the mindset to become a successful investor. InvestTalk Academy offers an unprecedented value for serious investors. Register now at InvestTalkAcademy.com. You are listening to InvestTalk. We are in a new year and a new decade. The markets have already seen some volatility, but there's no need to panic. Steve Peasley is here, ready to answer your questions and provide his unbiased investing guidance. Call now, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Before the break, I asked a trivia question which I do almost every day. In which year did the United States first implement its income tax? And when did other countries, like China, first start theirs, their income tax? Well, in 1862, in order to support the Civil War effort, Congress enacted the nation's first income tax law. However, in its early history, America had very few taxes. So, from 1791 to 1802, remember, 1862, the Civil War, that's when the first income tax came out. From 1791 to 1802, the United States government was supported by internal taxes on distilled spirits, alcohol, carriages, refined sugar, tobacco, that kind of stuff. 
The high cost of the War of 1812, though, brought about the nation's first sales tax on gold, silverware, jewelry, and watches. In 1817, five years later, Congress did away with all internal taxes, all of them, income tax, all taxes, relying only on tariffs on imported goods. So they ran our federal government on tariffs from 1817. Now, in the modern era, modern era of income tax regulation, that happened in 1913. That's when we got an income tax, 1913. And it was really tiny at the time, not so tiny anymore. Now, how about other countries? United Kingdom, they started their income tax in 1799. Uh, that's long beforehand. Switzerland, 1840. Spain, 1900. Canada, 1918. But how about China? China first began its income taxes in 1937. So, so our income tax start really officially 1917. Was that what that right there? Yeah. So, yeah. And it was only a couple, three percentage points. It was really small at the time. <laughs> Government now is addicted to our money, people. See, that's why you, you, you know there's no tax, in my opinion, no tax at all should be any, nothing should be taxed further. They have plenty of our money. They just got to stop squandering it, spend it more wisely. Okay. The streaming wars. Remember, we talked about this last month and where Disney just started up and then, you know, Amazon, everybody else, you know, all competing with Netflix. Well, how's Disney doing? Disney Plus was the most downloaded app in U.S. in the last quarter uh, for 2019. Disney Plus had 10 million downloads in the first 24 hours. That was starting November 1st. It then averaged a million downloads a day. Of course, that has tapered off now. Combined downloads for Disney Plus, their streaming service, 31 million in the U.S. alone. Now, analysts say to expect Disney Plus to reach 84 million downloads by 2024. That's not that far away. Four years from now? Now, of course, granted, every download does not mean it's a paid subscription, okay, because there's a lot of free offers and, you know, they don't pay nothing for a while. So we don't know exactly how many of those 84 million will actually turn into paid subscribers. But that is a really good start for a brand new service. So WhatsApp, you know what WhatsApp is, is the most downloaded app globally, WhatsApp. Okay, the great thing about our anytime listener line number is you can call it anytime you want. Here's a question that came in earlier, 888-99-CHART. Hi, I'm calling with a question about Aurora Cannabis, ACB. So I started buying into this back when it was closer to $8 a share, and I've, I've sort of followed it down and sort of added to my position in it. Um, it's, it's been beaten up pretty bad. I know a lot of marijuana stocks have been. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on the long-term solvency and prosperity of this company. As I, I know there's been a variety of things in the news about them not handling their money right or sort of they recently just sold one of their growth centers or something. So I'm wondering what you think about the long-term prospects of, of this and if it might just be time to sell it, take my losses, and look elsewhere. Thanks. 
Okay, I want to I want to impart a lesson here. Um, sometimes as the years go along, you're going to come across uh, things that look really good. And I remember years ago, everybody thought when in, when uh, when uh, everybody thought there was going to be a cure for cancer because of you know the DNA of somebody being analyzed, and you know, so there every every little tiny company out there was looking for the cure for cancer using, you know, DNA, okay? There's always something that comes along that sparks everybody's imagination. And right now and today, it's marijuana. Everybody thinks they're going to make money buying marijuana stocks, growing, and these are going to make tons of money. I will say that that's because of the, you know, because Canada's legal and it's legalizing California and many other states now, still not legal federally, but because of that, the hype is, ooh, there's going to be some huge winners. And not most likely, there will be two or three, four or five winners, big winners. Now, Aurora Cannabis might be one of those, but they don't make money. I don't know how many times I have to say this. Don't buy stocks that don't make money. The good thing about Royal Cannabis, Aurora, Aurora Cannabis, is the sales growth. Their sales growth last quarter was 154%. The quarter before that was 417%. quarter before that was 305%. Those are huge sales growths. Right now, growth is, uh, their, their last quarter, $75 million. It's a $2 billion company. But it going to lose 13 cents this year and even next year 2021 it's going to lose eight cents doesn't make money is it going to be successful it's hard to know because they don't make money okay so one of these a few of these kind of these these marijuana stocks are going to be big but there's like i don't know i know maybe 20 or 30 that are ip that are are, are publicly traded 90% of those are going to go out of business. It could be that some of them will be bought by others. I think Aurora, Can- Aurora Cannabis could be one of the winners. I really do. Because they're out of Canada. They're in Canada where it's legal. And I, I, they, you know, they, they're engaged in the production and distribution of medical cannabis. I think that they can be the one that might be successful. But they have negative cash flow, negative earnings for the next couple of years. I'm, this just doesn't do anything for me. Now, it does look like it bounced off $1.50 to $2 in the last three days. So, I think you sell this bounce at some point. That's what I think. Because it doesn't make money. Until stock makes money, I'm not interested in it. Okay. 888 chart. Okay, hedge fund. Bridgewater Associates. Now, the reason why I bring this up because Bridgewater is big. Okay, they're a hundred and something billion dollars. Okay, under management, and their chief uh, their chief investment officer is Greg Jensen, and he had an interview with Financial Times, and he said that gold was heading up. Gold is going to be up. Going to go to two thousand dollars an ounce. That's a thirty percent increase this year. Thirty said. Okay. He also said that the Fed will let inflation run hot for a while, but we don't have even cold inflation. We have very little inflation. But uh, I've said that on the radio before myself that the Fed changed their you know, changed how they're going to to look at inflation for 2020, and they're going to let it run run uh, let it go higher before they step in. He said one of the reasons why he feels that gold is going to run up is because there's a lot of political turbulence around the world, okay? He also threw in this, which 
confused me. And he thought, I don't know if this was, are you saying this, that gold would go up because of this? And he said, the divide between the rich and poor is a cause for gold to go up? I didn't follow that. I'm not, maybe I misunderstood, but that doesn't make sense to me. It does not. Why would that cause gold to go up? I can see inflation. I can see uh, worried about you know, the world uh, uh, having the more turbulence. Yeah, fear. I can see that driving gold. Um, but I can't see this divide in wealth between rich and poor. I'm not sure why that he thought that. Maybe I didn't read close enough. Anyways. I'm Steve Peasley, and you're listening to Invest Talk, everybody. 2019 was a very good year for us at Invest Talk and KPP Financial. And for the record, we do keep track of our downloads. Since we started, our podcast downloaded a total of about 19.5 million, which we're pretty happy about. We want to thank you for that. Okay, so Justin and I both want to thank you for that. We, I would hope that you'll please continue to tell your friends and family members about Invest Talk. I think it's a helpful show for everybody. Of course, you can call our anytime listener line, leave investment and market questions. We'll answer them on the radio show and, and podcast, as we have been doing for years. But you can also reach out to Justin or myself through investtalk.com or by calling our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California. We are always happy to take your calls. For now, our phone lines are open, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Steve Peasley has added two new portfolio review trips to his schedule. Steve will be in Dallas, Texas on Friday, January 24th, and he'll return to New York City for two days, Tuesday and Wednesday, January 28th and 29th. These are no-cost and no-obligation consultations. Learn more and register now at investtalk.com. Steve and Justin welcome your investing questions, and the phone lines are open. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's go talk to Tejas and Sam Mateo. How are you doing, Tejas? Hi, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for the call. Uh, so I have a, uh, I'm a long time listener, first time caller. Um, I have a, uh, I have a question regarding the housing market. Uh, I'm sure. in my late twenties and I'm planning to invest, uh, into a new brand new house, uh, planning to buy a house in the Bay area. I just wanted to know your thoughts, uh, if, uh, this is a good time to buy or should I wait until the, uh, the economic situation kind of stabilizes or, um, just wanted to know your thoughts about that. Well, everybody that's not in the Bay Area probably doesn't understand what, <laughs> how difficult the price has gone so high in the Bay Area that how difficult it is to buy a house. I'm lucky, you're lucky to even find a house for, that you want for sale. I mean, and if you do, I don't know if there's still, I think that market came down a little bit at the end of the year, December or so. But it's very difficult to buy a house, and you're going to end up spending a ton of money because prices have done so well. Now, the question is, if it's your house that you want to live in, should you buy now? Should you wait? I think the housing market is still going to be pretty decent. So I don't think it's going to come down necessarily. The only time when it's going to come down in the barrier, I think, is in the next recession. And I don't see that this year, and it may not come next year. So it's difficult to know. I'm 
I'm tempted to say, well, if it's a house you're going to buy and own and live in, just go out and buy it because you, if that's what you want to do. If you don't feel any pressure, then wait for the next recession. But, you know, the last recession, which was pretty, pretty significant, the Bay Area, the houses only went down 10% or so. That's it. In, in other parts of California, the housing market went down 50%, like Riverside and Ontario out there, kind of due east and east north of me, you know. Uh, so, but in the Bay Area, see that you're still going to have people moving there. They're still going to have a housing shortage. It's just, so I kind of want to just tell you to go ahead and buy it. If you can afford it, go ahead and buy it. Knowing that that's expensive, I just don't think it's going to get, quote-unquote, cheap. Thanks for the call, Tejas. Hope, good luck with that. Uh, my nephew bought one a little over a year ago and <laughs> paid $1.4 million for like a 1,300-square-foot house on a pretty small lot, house built in 1965, 68, something like that. <laughs> and that's what it costs. A very small lot. <laughs> Anyways, 888-99 charters are our number. Okay, now phase one of the Chinese trade deal is in place. And this is supposed to, China is supposed to buy $200 billion of stuff from us in the next two years, supposedly. At least that's what we, I haven't read it because we haven't got the details. They didn't come out the later in the day. Um, they also have some intellectual property protection in there, new obligations on tech tra- technology transfers and, and rules on con- currency manipulation that they're supposed to follow, okay, uh, that track the same as the U.S.-Mexican-Canadian agreement. So that's what it is. And, of course, China became a member of WTO some time ago, and they didn't adhere to the standards they set. No one really did anything about it. So I'm thinking that do they think they're going to get away with doing the same kind of thing coming to this agreement? I don't think so because the tariffs are still in place. They're going to stay in place until they comply. Uh, More tariffs will be implemented if they don't comply. So, you know, I don't know exactly the terms yet. I'll probably know by tomorrow because, you know, it'll all be out there and we'll know. But that's kind of where we are on this this deal. I think it's a good first step. But now we'll see how, how it gets implemented. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here, and that's to help you achieve financial freedom. And, of course, our work continues after this break. So get your questions in now, 888-99-CHART. InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial, where InvestTalk hosts and KPP principals Steve Beasley and Justin Klein practice parallel investing. That means Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing at investtalk.com. Hello, my name is Jared. I'm over here in San Antonio, Texas. I've been listening to Invest Talk for a while now. I love it. I decided to just uh, shout out a question just to see if you do answer back. I was really curious about was uh, Bank of America, BAT. I invested in it at $33. 
now it's currently at 3474. There's been a lot of volatility. I know the earnings report is going to be on January 15th. I was just wondering uh, what your opinion would be if to continue in or stay out. Obviously, I, I want to wait for the earnings report, but, um, you know, I'm sure it's going to be above expected. But with the way the economy is going and such things, I know that affects banks' prices. Uh, I just want to get your opinion. Thanks a lot. I really enjoy your podcast. And uh, have a safe trip to Dallas and New York. Okay, well, Bank of America, BAC is the symbol, a global holding company offering banking and non-banking financial services in the U.S. and over 35 other countries. It's big, a $311 billion company, so it's big. Uh, It's one of these things that you should treat as like a core holding. Uh, If you're going to buy Bank of America, it's going to grow slow. It's going to be like watching paint dry. It's going to pay you a 2.1% dividend. Uh, it's going to grow slow, single-digit sales over time. And that's just pretty much what, and then in a recession, it will go down, and then it'll recover, and not a recession. So, um, of course, earnings came out today, and the stock went down about 1.84%. Uh, not because they were bad. They were just a little disappointing. Um, but I think that they'll probably recover. And it has been volatile last month or so, but it's training in a range. I mean, last year it bottomed at 26, and now it's at 34. So you bought it at 33. So you bought it after the run up a bit. So I, I, it's one of those you just hold on to. It's a good solid company. And it's blue chip, and you know if you bought it for a trade, you know this is not the kind of stock to buy for a trade because they're so big and cumbersome that just never goes up fast, never goes down fast. And you really want to buy these big blue chip stocks when they're on sale. And this stock is not overpriced. It's kind of in the mid-range of its price. So it's right, you know, not over or underpriced. It's, it, but it's a good, solid company. So you can just hold on to it forever and you'll be fine. BAC, everybody. Bank of America. Okay, Elon Musk. Everybody knows who he is. Tesla. Did you hear about his uh, stock options? Okay, this is this is it's, he's got himself a sweet deal here. Okay, if if Tesla T S L A, I'll pull it up and see what the market cap is. Uh, today is at ninety three billion dollars. Okay, if Tesla's market cap goes to a hundred billion dollars, okay, which it very well could. If it does. He has options of 1.7 million shares at $350 a share. Right now, it's $518 a share. If it's going to go to a billion, that's probably going to be about what, 550 so five, five uh, about 550 or so. Okay, if that happens, he can trigger these 1.7 million shares options, and their their option, you know, the 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 option price will be $350. He can turn around and sell the stock and he'll make about $350 million if you exercise the options immediately after it reaches that $1 billion rate, that really part. So the, he got options. If the company reaches a billion dollar size, he can. He's going to get 1.7 million shares at 350 dollars a share. When the stock right now is 518, it'll probably be 550 or so to get to a billion. It's got to be that high, and and he'll make 346 million dollars. 350 million dollars. Nice paycheck. 
Nice little payday, huh? He's going to try awful hard to get to that billion dollars, I'm sure. I am sure. 888-99-CHART is our number. 888-992-4278. Give me a call. I'd love to talk to you. Oh, we only, well, we're out of time already. Jeez, real quick, real quick. The happiest country in the world. This is a survey of 1,000 residents in 156 countries by Gallup. Happiest country is Finland. Finland. Number two is Denmark, and then Norway, and then Iceland, and then Netherlands. The U.S. is number 19 on the list. Happiest country in the world. I'm Steve Peaslin. This completes another Investop program. Justin will be here tomorrow. I will return Friday. In the meantime, please tell your friends and family members that I will be traveling to Dallas and then New York in just a couple of weeks. So I would love to meet people if they want to meet with me. They could benefit from our no-cost portfolio views. I am running out of slots, though. I'm really pretty tight. Learn more and register soon at investtalk.com. Good night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.